Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show, And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues, and yes, I despise every minute of it. I mean, she she made mistakes too, right? That's true, she She did kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real, we're all trapped here, and there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sprinter Shakari Richardson has been disqualified from the 100-meter race at the Olympics after testing positive for cannabis. Julianne Moore is discussing the sexist standards around aging. And we're talking about the new film Zola with pop culture journalist Bianca Gracie. It's July 2nd, 2021. Hello, friends. I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen Leconti. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, so Stephen, I have some, honestly, some positive news that I read this morning. <laughs> really? That's yeah, rare. What is you, it? You see the laughter? <laughs> okay. So, What's the news? Okay, so Pinterest is apparently the first major tech company to ban all weight loss ads from the site. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. And it's going to it's going to ban weight loss language or imagery, testimonials regarding weight loss, ads that denigrate or idealize certain body types, references to the BMI, and products that claim weight loss can be achieved through something applied to the skin. Okay, that's incredible. It's extremely necessary. We already know these things can be incredibly damaging to people, uh, especially people dealing with eating disorders. And I hope that I hope that more websites take notice of this and do this because it's extremely toxic, dangerous stuff. It is. It is. And it's just such like a regular, horrible part of our society. So when when we start getting rid of it, oh, God, I feel good. All right. Pinterest, go Pinterest. Okay, so you won't be saying that about the Olympics. (laughs) Oh, no, I will not. No, I will not. You know what I'm talking about. So after a long week of heavy legal drama on this show, we have some honestly shocking Olympics related news to report. U.S. sprinter Shakari Richardson has been disqualified from the 100 meter race in the Olympics after testing positive for cannabis. She confirmed she tested positive for THC on the Today Show. And here's what she had to say about it. Like I tweeted and said yesterday, I'm human. We're human. Um, my statement, what I always say in my interviews, um, I want to be as transparent as possible with you guys, whether it's good, whether it's bad. But when it comes to Shakira Richardson, it's never been a steroid. It will never be. 
a steroid attached to the name Shakari Richardson. The charge and what the the situation was was marijuana. I'm not encouraging anybody to do it. I'm not saying oh don't do it or, or anything like that. But if you choose to do things um, in your personal time or things like that, you just should know or right, beware the consequences or just know or just find different ways to just cope or do what it is that you that will make you feel better. Shakari revealed that a week before the Olympic trials, her biological mother passed away. And leading up to the trials, she found out that information because of a reporter. Oregon, where she tested positive, has legalized marijuana. She could still find a way to compete in the Olympics in one of two ways. Challenge the drug test or possibly compete in the 400-meter relay once her 30-day suspension is over. I mean... I woke up this morning to this story and I basically went blind with rage. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the most upsetting, unfair thing. You know, I saw this tweet that said that if you can smoke pot and win a sprint race, you should get two gold medals. And that is true. There is absolutely nothing performance enhancing about marijuana. There is nothing illegal about marijuana where she was. I'm completely disgusted by this. And I really hope that uh, the Olympics reverses their decision on it. No, I mean, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I also don't think that they make like great decisions ever. Specifically, I'm talking about how swimming caps for natural black hair has been ruled out of Olympic games. Like, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And they're saying that the, so the International Swimming Federation rejects use of sole caps, saying it does not fit the natural form of the head, which reads completely racist to me. Right. And by the way, if you want further proof that like uh, Shakari's ban is racist, let's look at Michael Phelps, yeah. who fa- famously smoked weed, got caught, and it did not affect his career. Let's look at Ryan Lochte, who in the last Olympics got wasted at the games, lied and faked some sort of a robbery. And there was like the tiniest little slap on a wrist. Two white men, extremely different consequences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Well, meanwhile, Julianne Moore is speaking out over the sexist standards that come with aging. Speaking to As If magazine, Moore said she disagrees with the phrase aging gracefully. She told the magazine, we don't have an option, of course. No one has an option about aging. So it's not a positive or a negative thing. It just is. It's part of the human condition. So why are we always talking about it as if it is something that we have control over? Moore went on to say she had a different definition of aging, which included challenging oneself, learning new things, being helpful to others, continuing to evolve, and being the person that your family and friends need and want. You know, I am so happy that she is talking about this because I don't think that people really understand that bodies change. That that's what happens. And I think, um, you know, it didn't take me until until age 30 to really let that sink in, too, because people are always like, oh, I wish I was the weight I was in high school. Okay, you're not in high school anymore. You know, like you age, your body changes naturally, not even just from waking. Your body can just change. And so it's just absolutely ridiculous that it's like, I understand that phrase aging gracefully. It's like we do not have control over that unless you have the money and means to do so. Right. And it's like, first of all, you get one of two choices. You either age or you die. Right. <laughs> those those are the two paths forward. So, like, I hope I age. I want to age because mm-hmm. the alternative is that I'm not around to do it. And by the way, yeah, that phrase aging gracefully almost always means that they look like they're not 
aging, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, like, why don't we celebrate aging? Because it is an accomplishment to uh, live and to survive (laughs) in this world. You know what I mean? Wow. I really do like the lens you're looking through. (laughs) I think you're blowing a lot of people's minds right now. (laughs) Cool. I have a few gray hairs now and I'm proud of them. I earned these. (laughs) All right. So moving on, the movie everyone is talking about right now is Zola. Just released this week, it has all the makings of a major motion picture. The story of a Detroit waitress seduced into a weekend of stripping in Florida. The movie depicts a whirlwind adventure involving a friend, her pimp, and her boyfriend. Here's the gist. Hey, last month I went dancing at this cute spot in Florida where my roommate's girl made like five G's a night. Because of my we just met yesterday and you're already trying to take whole trips together. Be ready by two. What makes this story unique isn't necessarily the plot, but how it started from a viral tweet thread from 2015. Back then, Zola King unleashed a 148 tweet storm onto the world, creating one of Twitter's first ever viral threads. But the woman at the center of the story was almost left out of Hollywood's retelling entirely. Pop culture journalist Bianca Gracie recently wrote the NBC News piece, Zola gives the Black author of the viral tweet thread the respect she and her story deserve. And she joins us to break down Zola's crucial role in bringing this story to life. Hi, Bianca. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. We are so excited to talk about all things Zola. So for listeners who missed this epic tweet storm when it happened in 2015, can you briefly explain uh, Zola King's tweet thread and how she initially laid the tracks down for what eventually became this major motion picture? Yeah, so... Back in 2015, you know, the word viral was not really, you know, in the pop culture dictionary. I think Zola really helped shape that movement because her Twitter thread was basically this really wild, like exhilarating tale about her meeting this, you know, sex worker named Jessica at the Hooters that she was working in, in Detroit. And they ended up going on a hoe trip together, quote unquote, to, <laughs> to, um, I mean, I, I love that, you know, they call it, they just tell it like it is. So they kind of traversed through strip clubs in Tampa and, You know, it started off, you know, pretty easy, you know, just, you know, shaking their booties on the pole, but then it went like totally left field where they ended up, you know, meeting all these seedy men and almost got into sex trafficking and Jessica's boyfriend got shot. And it was just like, it read like a movie when she first tweeted it. So I am not surprised that it snowballed from here. I mean, I I remember, you know, reading the tweets, you know, in real time back in 2015, just like scrolling through my phone, like, oh my God, like she needs to tweet again. Like what's happening? What's happening? And, you know, it became this huge firestorm where not only Twitter users were so, you know, invested in it, so many other people in the media sphere, you know, Ava DuVernay, James Franco, like they all caught on to it and it just became this huge pop culture moment. You know, and I love that you remember, I remember it too, because yeah, I mean, maybe it was, we're in the media, we're on Twitter all day long. So we were like, so enthralled by this. But like you said, this was before going viral was a daily occurrence on Twitter, like it is now. Why do you think this story attracted so much social media momentum in the first place? I think it's because Zola had a very 
detailed and very fantastical way of the way that she was tweeting. It felt like a script, basically, like the way that she was creating the story, you could envision the way the characters looked in your head. I mean, granted, she had photos here and there, but the details were so distinct that it just really engaged us viewers. And she really painted a picture that was just so wacky and bizarre, but, you know, a little bit frightening. So there's like all these feelings that you, as you were reading and scrolling, it's just like some moments made you laugh out loud. Some moments made you gasp in fear. So she like tapped into all these, you know, human emotions. And I felt like that really grabbed so many people, especially us millennials, because we, you know, we, we love us some drama. So <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, I totally agree. The The thread felt like so cinematic. And so moving on to the movie itself, rather than presenting King's Twitter thread just as like a simple narrative, the director actually breaks the fourth wall. And I'm curious, how else does the film sort of emulate a social media user experience? And why do you think doing that was so crucial in telling this story? Yeah, because this was such, I mean, it still remains such a big Twitter moment. When you think of, you know, over the past decade, what really stands out to you, the Zola thread is kind of like, you know, top tier. So I love that, you know, the director, Janika Bravo, she really encapsulated what it feels like to be on Twitter. Like anytime, um, you know, the character Zola in the film would say certain phrases, you would hear like the whoosh of the Twitter notification or the little chirping noise. And that correlated to the actual tweets that were presented in 2015. So when I was watching it, I didn't feel like I was watching a standard, you know, film with a, you know, a streamlined storyline. It felt like I was inside Twitter as it was happening. And I just thought that was just so dope. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll be right back. We've got more on the story that captivated social media and how it became the movie everyone is talking about. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? 
Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with pop culture journalist Bianca Gracie about all things Zola. The film tackles the white appropriation of black culture and how it happens on and off social media. Can you talk about how the film aimed to relay this concept and why it's such an important part of the story? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I mean, the co-opting of black culture has been a discussion specifically on Twitter, you know, for the past decade. And we've just seen it recently with, you know, the black TikTokers um, going on strike. Of course, you know, Megan Thee Stallion's new single, Thought Shit, like, you want to have a dance to that. You know, her previous singles had, you know, Savage, of course, was a big moment. But, you know, white TikTokers have stolen so many dance moves and not given, you know, these innovators and these creators credit. And going back to the Zola movie, that occurred, you know, six years ago. But you're still seeing that co-opting of just black creativity. I mean, there's a notable scene in the film where Stephanie in the film, who's playing Jessica, she is rapping her heart out, you know, to Migos, Hannah Montana and to, um, to chains watch out. But she's, saying these lyrics that, you know, I, when, when these songs first came out, I just graduated college and I remember, you know, going to like the club and, you know, saying all these lyrics, you know, with my core group of black friends. So to see her kind of adapt that accent and talk about, you know, drug dealers slaying the lyrics, like you see that outside of Twitter and outside of the movie. And it showed a real life presentation of how a lot of white people try to adapt to black culture, but it's more of, you know, there's always this conversation of teetering the line between appropriation and appreciation. And I think Zola presented it in, in a more appropriative manner, especially with her accent. Her accent was just off, off yeah. the walls, ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, this movie is meant to be funny, yet this is also a story about narrowly escaping the world of sex trafficking. What do you make of how the film walks that line and how that paradox relates to the overall story? Because, you know, I was talking to some friends yesterday who they walked out feeling pretty heavy and intense after the movie. Yeah, you know, I think the movie showed it in such a unfiltered manner. You know, we've seen movies in the past where, you know, you have sex trafficking and that's presented in a way that's almost like disgustingly glamorized. And I think with Zola, you know, it's showing it just how it is. Like, and there's a scene where um, Stephanie's in the hotel room and there's kind of like this montage of men's penises and they're not like the most attractive things. I mean, granted, they're not attractive to me, but I just think that, (laughs) I just think that, you know, showing that realism of, you know, not this like made up, done like super conventional looking bodies and just showing the emotions that these women go through in sex work, um, whether it be 
traumatic or whether it just be just a regular day to day, you know, nine to five for them. Um, I think that's what made Zola very distinct. So Zola King served as an executive producer on the film, but you write about how she was almost entirely left out of the film's retelling of this story. Can you break down what happened there? Yeah. So this part, you know, it goes back to, you know, the co-opting of black culture that I was discussing before, because when Zola initially did the the Twitter thread back in 2015, about a month later, a contributing editor at Rolling Stone, David Kushner, he wrote a huge story, just kind of, it's kind of like a tell-all moment of the thread and really diving into all of the real life people, but it was presented in a way that there were more characters and actual people. And I think that was a moment where Zola's story became more in a a mainstream filter where other white creators in the space, especially James Franco, who of course is so problematic now, he tapped into the uh, thread and actually called on Zola to um, discuss creating a movie, but it was different because James and, you know, free writers and screenwriters, they were going to put their own white interpretation of Zola's words. You know, she was going to get monetized, but only, you know, in a small manner. So the movie that we could have seen could have been totally whitewashed, but luckily Franco left the entire project in 2017. I think that was around the time where all the sexual assault allegations were kind of bubbling up. So he, he left the project and then Bravo, the director, she stepped in and, you know, gave Zola her worth monetarily. And also she served as executive producer. So Zola, you know, before Zola was just, you know, a small part in what could have been Franco's movie, but the movie that we're seeing, she was really tapped into all of the key moments because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all her words. So... It is. And, you know, you wrote about how the protection the film's director offered Zola's story could only come from a black woman. Can you explain a bit more about how essential their relationship was to the making of this movie? Yeah. You know, being a black woman myself, you know, we often try to and I think, you know, this goes for a lot of black people in general. We try to hide our trauma and our pain through humor and through, you know, embellishments, you know, Zola herself, you know, said that a lot of the tweets that she put out, they weren't necessarily all factual. You know, she's, she's telling a story. And I think, you know, Bravo hopping on the project, there's like this inner understanding when it comes to black women, we just get that a certain story needs to be told and it needs to be told through our voice or else, you know, it'll be poached at the end of the day, almost like it was, you know, with when Franco came on. So I think that mutual understanding that us black women have in order to protect our voices, because our voices are all we have. And oftentimes, you know, whether it's in the workplace or at a doctor's office, like we often don't get to speak out. And I think this was a very cool moment for Zola to really speak out and, you know, tell her truth, essentially. Well, Bianca, thank you so much for joining us today and talking all things Zola. Thank you guys for having me. This was so much fun. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Tuesday. And remember, today is our beloved Julia's last day with the show because she loves sports. And even though we were sporty today and talked about sports, she needs more sports and we support her. Julia has written over 525 and remembers for our show, and we are going to miss her terribly. Julia, we love you and your and remembers. Yes, Julia, we love you and we'll miss you. 
BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Joshua Burnley, Tanya Bustos, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedanin. Special thanks to Samantha Hennig and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com comfy. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.